morning. Welcome to the Tobler Show. Along with Max Boise, I am Randy Tobler. Glad that you are with us on this first weekend in autumn. And it is a beautiful, beautiful autumn. As it, uh, The first day of autumn was uh, un- unreal. I mean, absolutely. You couldn't have written a better script. Dry, crisp, clear. The, the temperature's down a little bit. And just a really nice time to be outdoors. Of course, uh, like everything, there's a double-edged sword to everything. And that is that... When the when the days get shorter, the air blows brisker and cooler. My wife pulls out the pumpkin spice latte. God, <laughs> I love my wife, but that pumpkin spice latte gets old real quick. Real Thankfully, quick. it's only around for a limited time. <laughs> I don't know. She and her, her flavored coffees. I don't know. I like the hazelnut. It's okay. But the pumpkin spice latte, huh, I don't know. I guess it was about two years ago because of all of the uh, the, the <laughs> hype about it. I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to try it. And so I went down yeah. to my yeah. my local coffee shop and I said, give me one of those pumpkin spice lattes. And they said, okay, here you go. And it was like $25 or something. Yeah, and then, for the grande, yeah, right? You wanted right. the grande. Yeah, exactly. The whole deal. And I was like, why not? So, uh, and I took a couple of sips, and of course, you know, I love coffee. I love all, all manner of coffee, mm-hmm. uh, uh, black coffee, flavored coffee, what have you, give me coffee. Yeah, yeah. And I took a couple of sips, and I thought, okay, well, I never have to have this again. <laughs> and right. that's that's how I felt. <laughs> you know, I flavored coffees are okay, but sometimes it's overdone, and there's it's too sweet, and it just takes away from the coffee flavor. Nothing nothing wrong with a tinge of some nice, you know, yes. aroma, different spice. Yep. But, wow, sometimes it's all sugar and milk, and it just loses it. But at any rate, no, I'm kidding her. I, I love to kid her about that. <laughs> of course, there are the, the other things that come around with, uh, with fa- uh, autumn, which is, of course, endless Hallmark autumn movies. Uh, now, hang on, channel. hang on. Mm-hmm. I love Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> I love them because they are the same movie over and over again, and yeah. that's very comforting. We always have a lot of fun. I imagine the guys out there are probably getting a kick out of this discussion because, and maybe some of the gals too. But we always, it's always fun to, it, with the, who can within the shortest time at the beginning of the movie predict who's going to fall in love with who, yes, right? That's because right. You, you have to, you take a look at the very, oh, okay, it's the stable boy with the look from you see across what happens the is barn. She's, right? a, she's a small town girl who moves to the big city <laughs> and is very successful with her cupcake shop, but she's forgotten what the meaning of Christmas is all about. And when she goes back to her small town, she meets that one guy that she remembers from high school and they <laughs> fall right. in love. And next thing you know, she moves her cupcake shop to yes. the small town. The you end. Got it. That's every movie. Max just just wrote the template Hallmark script. There you go. <laughs> and you can apply that to the chef scene, right? The, the restaurant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's starting the little startup, you know, Maggie's Cafe. Right. Uh, or the horse. Oh, there's always the equestrian theme. Don't forget mm-hmm. that one. Of course, have that. of course. And so this is the time of year. It won't be long before we'll see those lights strung across the uh, the gazebo. You know, all the, <laughs> it's the same gazebo decked out in either the orange is. leaves, the garland red, or in the springtime, I don't know, tulips and uh, jonquils. It's always the same you know there are those people that when they when they hear that i love those hallmark movies they kind of are surprised because i i review film for a living mm-hmm. and so they're like well wait a minute those movies are awful how can you like them but actually i love how it's the same story over and over again yeah. and you can just throw five of them on and have some of that pumpkin spice latte and have yourself a good time <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
But, you know, there is something... I don't now. This is going to be an admission that I, I hope my wife isn't listening this Uh-oh. morning. She's um, she's on granddaughter uh, daughter's okay. uh, patrol because okay. my daughter's moving, and, and so of course while they do the move, uh, yeah. Mimi's having some fun. Um, of course, she calls me now. It's funny when you do this for the second go around as a grandma and you take care of things. It's funny how exhausting it is, and now you remember just how difficult it is to raise children and of course when you're younger and have more energy and mm-hmm. and so forth it's a little different and she's got all kinds of energy mind you but um it's it's a different game the second time around but it, uh, at any rate so she's doing that i hope she's not listening but um there is something to the hallmark motif in this time in our country in our world with all of the strife and the division and the anger and, mm-hmm. and the vitriol that it's nice to have a little utopia now and then I mean because that is I don't know where they're filmed it's got to be in some quaint is it Canadian it's probably Canada it? because of tax breaks and because of locations and it always kind of looks vaguely Canadian even though it's supposed to double for Vermont or, or Nantucket or what have you <laughs> but probably uh, Canada and you know it, 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 to bring up the the, you know, the film criticism, again, personally speaking, I love horror films. I like a lot of really dark films, depressing films, dramas where you cry all the time. But what's great about the Hallmark films, I can put them on and the whole family can watch them. They are, yeah. they're very chaste and they're very wholesome. And we don't have a lot of things like that now. And so well, I kind of appreciate how, how wholesome they are. You're right. And people are dressed nicely and they're and and I don't know, they're they're groomed well. And I just there's something about it. They speak. There's not a lot. There's no foul language. And I don't know. It's nice. And in a way, you know, we're going to be talking with uh, uh, you are what you click author. It's a great title. You are what you click author, Dr. Brian Pimek later later. Um, But. You know, there's if you saw The Social Dilemma, a very frightening movie about what uh, social Mm -hmm. it's a documentary about what the social media can do to you and how they're manipulating and you don't even know it, you know. Um, Well, I guess you know it, but you accept it. But uh, we sometimes look for uh, we look for we see a lot of uh, the best side of people, because, of course, you generally are unless you're asking for prayers for someone who's ill or something. But generally, when people take their selfies and they take the pictures of their wonderful food on the table and it's always perfect you never you never never get the picture like you know helene's out so i'm bacheloring it this weekend so what it's going to be a lot of uh, dry oatmeal yeah. you know, throw it in the Here's bowl a throw it in frozen the pizza you're not going to see that folks you're not going to see it on my facebook feed you know you you'll see it last weekend she made some fabulous meals because she's a she's a culinary and holistic nutritionist and and so we i get not only healthy but excellent food when she's around I get unhealthy, and she doesn't think it, but I think it's excellent food when she's not called the frozen pizza. But that's okay. <laughs> but so, you know, so in a way, there can be a danger to seeking out that perfection that very few of us ever achieve. Or if we do, there's there's moments of brilliance, uh, you know, when the facets on the diamond are gleaming. But a lot of time, there's, you know, there's the frosting from your cake on the diamond, and it doesn't gleam too much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a danger to that. But we're going to talk to how to manage social media and get control of it with Brian uh, P- Pimek later uh, and that'll be that'll be a lot of fun uh, and later this hour someone who I heard on a, on, a, on a podcast and I just was fascinated because uh, he's a former Obama uh, administration in the uh, official in the energy department and a BP energy official as well but I mean you know so you got both you got feet in both canoes if you've been in the Obama administration energy department and a former BP chief energy guy Um and uh, he wrote a book called Unsettled, 
And I've had a chance to begin uh, reading it and uh, heard him on a podcast. I just had to get him on because he really challenges the, 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 the conventional notion that the climate change is going to kill the earth in 12 years. Well, it's conventional among the people in power anyway. I don't think it's conventional among everyone. But it's certainly become a rallying cry across the nation for more and more people. And it's become accepted by major, most of the major news outlet anchors and everything. It's just like, well, with climate change bearing down on the, uh, on the planet's existence, you know, uh, Joe Biden was in Glasgow today. There's a there's a summit coming up in Glasgow where they're going to be talking about that. And 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 um, he, he's really good. His name's Stephen Coonan, and fascinating. He's a theoretical physicist and uh, from MIT, so he's no idiot. <laughs> you know, I mean, this guy's going to blow you away with his intellect. But he's a he's a clear communicator and thinker as well. And so we'll talk to him uh, later on in the hour. We'll also talk to Jeremy Cady from. Americans for Prosperity in Missouri about their uh, legislative, their 2021 legislative scorecard and, uh, you know, see how that how that all works out. So uh, and and maybe how you'll want to tap into that ahead of the uh, the elections next year. It's always good to know where people are coming from. And if you are disappointed in the way your legislator is voting here in Missouri, well, you'll, you'll have some raw data to, to give him or at least a scorecard data to give him. And I uh, want to talk to him about some of the domestic economic issues, uh, you know, buried uh, in all of the talk about What's going on in Del Rio at the border? I, I do want to get into that and the whole horse thing. I mean, I've ridden horses. I'm not. A, I'm not an equestrian expert. Uh, by excuse means, me. My daughter is racist horses. These horses yeah, they're are ra- racist. Yeah, That's what I've heard. Absolutely racist horses yes. that are. Uh, you know, they're they're they trained have to, be to trample Haitians. Yes, well, they, they have get, to be reprimanded. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're trained to trample Haitians, don't you know? They're trained to do that. And uh, and so these these mounted patrolmen at the border uh, simply doing their job. I mean, this is what's wrong with America. Abject truth on film is spun and 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 somehow manipulated successfully yeah. Yeah, what they by said people happened. who have the bully pullet, pulpit, namely Jen Psaki. And what they said happened did not happen. No. And they're apologizing for something that didn't happen. And people put on desk jobs and that that whole patrol. Uh, do you have any? Let's play the sound yeah, on that. Yeah. We've got to get into that. Uh, I want to get into that. I just what's going on at the border is just atrocious. Oh, and then and then Jen Psaki getting on Steve Ducey. I don't have the sound, but Jen Psaki starts questioning Steve Ducey. At, at least she engages him. That's good. But then she's questioning him about the uh, oh, you, you so you don't want you want to question whether women are really pregnant when they say they're pregnant and they're coming across the border. And, uh, you know, totally irrelevant. So I play the sound about the Joe Biden and the border I mean the, how it's just he's he's just he's just offended by this it's just amazing how in the world can can we do this given what we saw at the border this week have you failed in that promise and this is happening under your watch do you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding of course I take responsibility I'm president but it was horrible what to see as you saw to see people treated like they did horses barely running them over people being strapped it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be there's an investigation underway now and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world or sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. Well, it sent the right message to me when I saw people on horseback 
um, essentially defending our border in only, I don't think you can put a Segway in the middle of the river there. I, I don't, do they work in rivers, Matt? I don't, I don't think Segways so. do. No, right? I don't believe so. Uh, I don't know. I've seen, okay, you could, could the Forest Park uh, bicycle patrolman get, uh, I don't think that's going to work very well in the river. It, uh, well, ATVs, I guess you could use that. Well, well, we saw the Texas, was it the Texas Highway Patrol or National Guard? Or, I guess it was Highway Patrol uh, lined up making a, a, a wall of vehicles last week. <clears throat> but it's it's standard operating procedure to use mounted border patrol people. And all they were doing, if you look carefully at that, they have long, you know, there's different kind of reins on horses. Sometimes a rein goes from one bit, uh, one side of the bit all the way around over the horn on the saddle to the other bit. And it's a loop. But there's also loose reins that are just, you know, like they're, they're not, they're, it's not a loop. It's just free ends. And uh, I think they, a couple of them had that. And they did say, the Border Patrol people who are responsible for this or are involved in this patrol, say that in order to avoid the, in order to have the Haitians avoid being trampled by the horse or getting uh, hoofed. And if you've ever been, I have been hoofed by a horse. It is rough. I mean, you, you're, I didn't break anything, but I limped around for weeks. I mean, it's, it's big to have a big 1,200 pound animal or, or more, you know, land on you. Um, so in order to avoid that, because the Asians were really getting too close to these animals, uh, they would spin the, the loose reins, just spin them. Sort of like, uh, oh, back in the flapper days. I think of the flappers back in the 30s. Sure, you know, they're, but they're long chain of pearls. You I'm know, always thinking of the flappers. You know, the Peggy Lee with the spin in the... Okay, that's what they're doing with the reins. And they're doing that as a way to warn, to keep the ward the people off. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to take the spurs on your boots and kick them? I don't know. And that's kind of my point is, what is their job? Their job is to prevent people from crossing. That means they're doing their job. They can't yes, just sir. speak sternly at someone and say, now listen, <laughs> believe me, stop, yeah. turn around. That's not going yes. to work. No, you can't wait. If you're a Border Patrol person with Haitians in hordes coming across the river, you can't wag your finger and say, no pumpkin spice latte for you if you continue on. Oh, exactly. You better stop exactly. it here. Yeah. That's not going to happen. And uh, you know what's next, Max? We're going to see that, you know, this is, well, we've already seen it, where anytime any police officer you know, man or woman handles a, a, a prisoner and arrest a person who they need to arrest to the ground. Oh, that's police brutality. Mm -hmm. Well, how's that any different than quote? What did he? What did he? He didn't say whipping wasn't the word. No. Uh, he didn't use the word whipping. You know, but uh, the the point is. They're doing their job. And sometimes you have to become violent if you want to use that word. You have to use physical means, not violence, physical means. And and you're just creating sort of a threatened. Yes, if you get too close to a rain that's spinning around in my hand at however many miles an hour it's spinning, it's going to hurt if you happen to get in its way. Sort of like if you're uh, the beanie cap and if you put your finger in a beanie cap, you're going to hurt your finger. Well, that's not like I took my beanie cap and put it on extra high power and then, right. you know, rammed it into your hand these the difference here these mounted uh, 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 police did not go into a different country and start attacking people that's not what right. happened and right. uh, you know uh, po officers can use force in order to uh, uh, um, enforce the law. They can't use excessive force. And of course, that's been the debate over, over the last couple of years. What does excessive force mean? But this story, to me, it's it's a non-story. And I, I think it's ridiculous that President Biden and Jen Psaki and everybody has been apologizing for something that if you 
if you have an understanding of what, what was happening, didn't happen. So they're just no. apologizing for, for yeah. what? And now these people are on right. desk jobs. Also, what happens to the horses? Are they okay? I'm a little concerned about the horses. <laughs> ah, you're right. I didn't think about that. Wow. Oh, man, I've got a couple repair jobs at home today. And every time I squeeze that Elmer's glue, uh, I'm just saying, <laughs> I, I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, I hope not. I hope not. Oh, well. Hey, let's go to break. And before we do that, I'm going to give the number 314 912 1019. Why 1019? That's because it's News Talk STL 1019 And of course, uh, on your Alexa skill, you can just say, uh, hey, play, uh, you know, play News Talk STL on uh, NewstalkSTL.com or my favorite, the app. I use the mobile app all the time, everywhere. Uh, when I'm, even when I'm out mowing, I put my earbuds inside my protective uh, uh, headphones and I just uh, listen to News Talk STL on the app all the time. So I'm always with it 24 7. Hope you stay with us all the way till 9 o'clock today and then on the money after that. And a great lineup all day today, as in every day on uh, News Talk STL. With Max, I'm Randy Tobler. We are The Tobler Show. Be right back. Give me a buzz. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. We have been swift and thorough in our response. First, we immediately contacted the Office of Inspector General and launched an investigation into the events that were captured in the disturbing images of horse patrol units. We ceased the use of horse patrol units in the area. The agents involved in these incidents have been assigned to administrative duties and are not interacting with migrants while the investigation is ongoing. Well, there's DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. How'd I do, Max? Very nice. Very impressive. Thank you. Yeah. Can't speak a lick of Spanish, but I, uh, I work on getting those games. Sort of like Obama was always very careful about making sure he was culturally appropriate. Sure. Taliban. The Taliban in Pakistan. Pakistan. Taliban. Alejandro Mayorkas. And now he's got everything coming out of this administration. I it is yet I don't generally like to use the word everything or nothing or always or never, right? That can get us into trouble in our in our discourse. And and if I'm guilty of that, call me and let me know. Um and by the way, I should say I got into a little Twitter war with someone the other day. I don't know, they criticized something I'd posted. And I, I said, hey, give me a call. Uh, you know, callers that are, you know, that slice to the left. Uh, that you know, lefties. If you if you know if you if you if you swing to the left when you when you when you're on the golf course, uh, you jump right to the top of the queue on my show. So when you call three one four nine one two one zero one nine, I mean I'm sorry, all of all of the uh, real patriots out there. You know if you're if you're going to be a lefty and you're you know you think what's going on in this administration is is just fine and dandy, right to the top of the queue. Max has a, a special button just yes. for you. The code yes. word is Saki. So if you say Jinsaki, I will put you first. Yes. Yeah. And if you say Pasaki, you get even higher on the queue, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take some. I want to eat. I want to eat Paschetti by the Potomac with Pasaki. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun to have lunch or dinner with, with Jen Pasaki. I think it'd be fun because she's feisty. You know, I think that'd be fun. I would actually, I, I think you have to be feisty to be a, a, a yeah. press secretary for the president. I would love, and I'm surprised, I hate to give this idea away for free, Dr. Uh -oh. Randy Tobler, because uh -oh. I think this could be something on your Netflix, your Amazon, your Apple TV Plus, what are, your HBO Max, HBO Me, whatever your <laughs> streaming service is. 
They uh, named it after you, didn't they? They did, I think, yeah. And, but they didn't give me a free uh, subscription. It's crazy. You should get a subscription. Uh, thank you, thank you. But no, I, I think that my million-dollar idea is you do a reality show where you have all of the former press secretaries. Oh. Maybe like a Big Brother type thing where they're all living in the same house. You got Sean Spicer. You got oh. uh, uh, McEnany. You got uh, Saki. You got everybody. Ari Fleischer. Yes, Ari Fleischer. Dana uh, Perino. Maybe Stephanopoulos. Yeah. I mean, you got yeah. everybody together. That would be must-watch television. Mm-hmm. And they're great communicators, and so yes. they can handle themselves in any crowd. Uh, and uh, and, yeah. and I think they would have a mutual respect because they've all done yeah. the same job. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, even though it's for different presidents. So I actually think that uh, let's say there's not sparks because they are good communicators. And mm -hmm. let's say that like Jen Psaki and, and Sean Spicer don't fight. Well, then we up the ante and we do like a dancing with the stars. Right. Yes. And, and so then they have to do some sort of competition. I think it's a million dollar idea. Yeah, and I, I've got it. I've got the title for you. Are you ready, Oh, Max? oh okay. We did not rehearse this, audience. No, we, this, is, this, is, this, is a, this is a spontaneous bit. <laughs> Spinning with the spokesman. I love it. What do you it. think? I love it. Well, of course, it couldn't be spokesmen. It'd have to be spokespeople. Spokespeople. Spinning yeah. with the spokespeople. Spinning with the spokespeople. Yeah. I and, love it. And, but I often wondered if being a boy... Talk about some ADD on the air. We started talking about Mayorkas, and suddenly we're talking about dancing with uh, Dana Perino on the street. <laughs> That's right, Dana. We could have her there, too. There's so I many great know. people you could have on yeah. the show. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> to have someone like George Snuffleupagus, uh, that, you know, who was uh, so involved, not only as a spokesperson, but in uh, in the campaign and, yes. and was a real Clintonista from, from day one. Mm -hmm. be interesting. Um, at any rate, uh, getting back to Mayorkas, getting back to Mayorkas, I think that... Uh, Notice the sinister slipping in and and just spinning this into a systemic racism issue. How did we get from Border Patrol agents on mounted, you know, on horseback in the middle of a river and on the river bank preventing illegal aliens, breaking the law? I don't care if you think they should get asylum. There is a process for that. They break the law. And we're trying to prevent them from breaking the law. They are spinning the reins of a horse uh, so, so as to keep the Haitians, you know, the message to the illegal Haitian is don't get near the spinning reins lest you get trampled by the horse or even without trampling the horse. Just stay away. And this is my way. This is my taser. This is this is the, the the rain brand taser. You know, it's not a it's not a high tech taser, but this is what essentially it is. Just stay away from it. I'm not willfully chasing you down and whipping you like all of the Maxine Waters and everyone trying to say this has something to do with slavery. Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris, all these images. I'm sorry, I I see nothing there. Um, I wonder if my daughter Sammy is listening. She's been on the program before. We may have to see if she's listening, but I haven't been able to tap into her. But she's a, I mean, she rides horses in shows and knows everything about equestrian events and, 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 and that sport. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to tap into her, see if she, maybe maybe I can get her to join us before later on to, to see if there if she watched this and if there's anything she sees in here that is predatory or or abusive or if this is just a you know man, managing the horses and it's tough to to manage an animal in those tight quarters with people running around and trying to avoid hurting them while at the same time I'm going to use the word hurting them 
without hurting them because that's essentially what you're doing. You're trying to keep these people away in one place and away from another place. But where's the systemic racism here? What if these people were, these people could just as much be brown or white or black or it doesn't matter. They're they're breaking our laws. And as you said, Max, the people on the mounted patrols are just trying to prevent them from breaking our laws. There is a huge disconnect, one of the biggest that I've seen in years, of how this is being reported, what the headlines say, and what actually happened. And so I understand how maybe the younger people who consider themselves woke would see a headline or see a clip on TikTok and say, that's awful, and then have that righteous indignation. But if they actually looked into the story, which, yes, I know takes some time on your part, I am sorry to take the time out of your day. (laughs) But if you actually do some research, you would realize that's not what happened. And now, according to Alejandro in the clip that we just played, apparently the horses have been put on desk duty. I don't think that's going to work out. I don't (laughs) think the horses can actually use a stapler, and I don't think that they can do the copy machine. Absolutely. And the cubicles aren't big enough. They're not. They're just just not. They weren't built for horses. So it's just a bad idea. And plus, once the horses go on desk duty, all of the housekeeping (laughs) staff is resigning. Right, right. So maybe that wasn't the best thing to do, to put the horses on desk duty. (laughs) Don't put the horse on desk duty. Unless I heard that wrong. I don't know. (laughs) You know, that that makes me think when I was in the music business, (laughs) we used to play when the the Barnum and Bailey, oh, until it was abusive to have elephants and tigers and seals perform in the the circus, God forbid, and PETA got involved in that whole deal. Uh, We used to play in bands that were there on the floor, right there on the floor at the circus, at either at the arena, when the arena was the arena. Uh, the arena is no more. Uh, and uh, and later on, you know, at other venues. And and I remember how it was a bit humiliating for us guys in the band, because if you've ever played circus music, or it's it's basically like continuous, nonstop, till your chops are bleeding for us horn players. I mean, almost bleed. It's just, it's it's really difficult as a horn player to play circus music. Cause, and we used to go like at the end of the three hour circus when you're just, you're, your lips have swelled up to the size of balloons, you know, and you can barely produce a sound anymore. You're, they won't vibrate. And, and that's about the time that they bring the elephants by for the last finale and and what are you doing? You're playing John Philip Sousa marches, bleeding and swollen chops. And you just are, you're like, why am I doing this? And the elephant, you know, does what elephants do right in front of the band. Mm-hmm. And you're going, mm-hmm. hmm, wow. I studied all those days in the basement playing my scales for this. He you was know, just reviewing the act, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Right. But uh, I miss the circus. I, it was so fun to take the kids to the circus and we would go before the circus and you could you could you used to be able at the arena. They would have all of the train with the animals in their cages, you know, on, on the train mm-hmm. and they would have them there. You'd see the, the performers getting getting ready for their performance and the glittery outfits and everything. It was just something exciting about the and the anticipation. But of course, now that, you know, the, the, the culture got woke to that. So you can't have a circus anymore. I, I noticed that when my kiddo He's 10 now, but when he was about, I don't know, three or four, uh, we were buying a lot of animal crackers because, of course, little Mm -hmm. kids love to snack on animal crackers. And I noticed because I hadn't bought a box of animal crackers probably in 40 years, you know, so so I picked this up and I realized it has a bunch of dancing animals all around the package. But when I was growing up, it was animals in the cages and it was like it it, it was a train of cages 
I from the circus, yeah. right? And okay. they've they've done away with that on the packaging because you can't oh. have a a cartoon animal in a cartoon oh. cage. You see? Oh, God forbid we do that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but I guess I guess it's better to take inanimate objects. But I don't know. Pretty soon, I mean, my, one of my granddaughter's favorite shows is something called Trash Truck. Where they've taken a trash truck. I think it's on Netflix. I oh, don't know. Okay. A trash truck has become um, anthropomorphized. Isn't oh, that the right word? Yes. When you take an inanimate object and you, it's, you know, anthropomorphic with it. Mm -hmm. And um, they've, they've animated it. And so the, 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 the arms that pick up the trash dumpster, for instance, you know, are the, are the trash truck's arms. And that's what the trash truck hugs the little raccoon that raids the trash dumpster with. And there's a bear. and there's a, It's a cute little thing. Okay. But it's trash truck. But so I'm just thinking the next thing will be now it'll be somehow that trash trucks are being abused. And I don't know. We can't do it. But apparently in her neighborhood now, because everyone watches trash truck, you know how we used to go out when the when the ice cream man came. Now ding, it's the ding, trash ding, truck. Ding, everyone wow. rushed out of the house no matter what you were doing. Mom dropped whatever she's doing and yep. everyone rushes out and they get a bomb pop and whatever. <laughs> well, now when when Mr. Trash Man comes, I'm great. I'm I am so on with this. I can't even believe it because it's about <laughs> time. It's about time our trash man got the deserve they received. Respect, the, the respect they deserved or the deserve they respect <laughs> the deserve they respect i love it <laughs> don't you think i love i love because i'm a mike rowe fan mm -hmm. uh, mike rowe i i could vote for mike rowe tomorrow for president i'm not kidding you this guy has got it going he's about work about vocational work about the things that make you know, people that make this country great, building things, fixing things, repairing things, improving things. Somehow that's been dishonored in this tech age, you know. But uh, yeah, so it's good. The tra but I'm thinking, so they go out and they they uh, they greet the trash guy. This is a big event on their street. I don't know if, um, call me if this is a big event on your street. 314-912-1019. I don't know, maybe we're the only ones in the world washing trash truck, but that's uh, that's what we do these days when we're with uh, with young people. Uh, strange, but that's, that's what happens. Hey, we're going to step aside when we come back. A very important discussion. So let everyone you know who is confused about, angry about, bewildered about having to get everything from electric uh, cars to electric tree trimmers to electric everything and uh, watching the gas prices go up in this push for a carbonless society. We have some sensible, reasonable opinion on that. Not that they're... Well, wait, wait till you hear it. Stephen Coonan coming up, a former Obama administration uh, de uh, Department of Energy official who wrote a book called Unsettled. We'll talk with him about it just after the break here. You're listening to News Talk STL 1019-941 and uh, it's the Randy Tobler Show. And uh, if you're not here every week, I don't know. You got a, you got your head screwed on wrong, right? Because you should be here six to nine every Saturday. Thanks for being with me. Share this show and share this station and our Facebook page. Like us because uh, we are growing leaps and bounds. It is, uh, it is real conservative talk in St. Louis. Welcome home. Randy Tobler. Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Welcome back to the program, and it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Stephen Coonan, author of a, of, a, of a pivotal book that you must read, entitled Unsettled, What Climate Science Tells Us, What It Doesn't, and Why It Matters. A little bit about... Uh, Professor Coonan's credentials, MIT PhD in theoretical physics, former undersecretary of energy for science 
in the Obama administration, uh, a BP uh, energy official, BP uh, uh, oil energy official as well uh, in his past, and now a professor at New York University. Uh, and uh, so uh, didn't just graduate from fifth grade science. And I heard you, uh, Stephen Coonan, on uh, Andrew Clavin's podcast, and it was riveting, as is your book. And I thank you for being with me, sir. Well, thank you, Randy. Happy to be talking with you this morning. Um, the book uh, was uh, hailed as a, a, a reasoned, rational um, rebuttal to the cli- climate science uh, catastrophism. That's a new word I just coined going on um, in, in light of public polls internationally that say that a vast majority of people think that this is an emergency. And, and you take the most reasoned, rational approach and you rebut a lot of the um, wild-eyed claims being made by many uh, here in America that want to absolutely transform our society um, and I, I'd just like you to explain how your journey from an Obama energy official to unsettled and and sort of a rational approach using the government's own uh, reports on climate science. In Early January of 2014, I was asked by the American Physical Society, which is the professional society of 50,000 physicists around the world, to have a look at their statement about climate science. And I ran a workshop, convened some experts, and came away from that understanding that the science wasn't really as settled as portrayed in the popular media and the political dialogue. And as I started looking more deeply into the science in the subsequent years, I started to see that the information that everybody is getting from media and from the politicians is increasingly disconnected from what the science actually says, whether in the research papers or in the official assessment reports on the UN and the US government. And I see it as a scientist, my duty is to inform people, not to persuade them. And so ultimately, I wound up writing this book that tries to give people a view behind the filter of the IPCC, the media, the politicians, and looking right at the science. And, you know, you've been pigeonholed after it all started with a with a Wall Street Journal op-ed you wrote in 2018 uh, entitled The Climate Won't Crash the Economy. Uh, and you sort of came out as a as a, a truth seeker in this realm. And now you've been pigeonholed because, you know, suddenly, I'm, you know, most people, when I read the critique of your book and when I, you know, listen to those who would, would uh, rebut your rebuttal to the climate science uh, catastrophism, um, you know, you're you're pigeonholed with the deniers. But you right off the bat, you don't deny that the climate is warming and you don't even deny that there's a human element to that. Right. I mean, I want to make sure we're getting your stance yeah, no, properly that's, portrayed. That's Almost everything I've written in the book is right out of the reports. And it's incredible to me that uh, people are not understanding what I'm saying, because, again, I'm talking about what's in the reports. Everybody else seems to have some other fantasy about what the climate is actually doing. Yeah. What it, what it reminds me of, sir, is <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a doc, uh, it reminds me of how sometimes we get caught up. Oh, take, take for instance, the story on, on heart disease. You know, for so long, the, the, the holy grail was it's all about your cholesterol number, you know. 
and we realize that, well, the cholesterol number itself, while there may be something to be said about having a higher cholesterol is, is, is a higher risk for heart disease, there's more to the story than that. And it's about the type of cholesterol and the size of the particles and your inflammation in your body and so forth. And so at the end of the day, how does that number really affect what we're interested in, which is heart attacks and strokes and premature death, right? And I'm fascinated by the way you, using the data out of the reports um, and talking to whether they are of low credence or higher credence or not, um, how does that really connect to the so what in terms of public policy? That is what is so wonderful about your analysis here. Maybe you can unpack that a little bit about us. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. It, it, go through that a little bit, please. Yeah, so, so it's, it's clear that humans are exerting some influence on the climate, but it's really quite small, uh, and the climate, as you mentioned, changes on its own. And so we've really got to have a very difficult conversation that involves values, intergenerational equity. There are three billion people in the world who are poor and don't have enough energy and need to be using fossil fuels to get that energy. Uh, there are um, economics and technology and, and so on. Uh, and what we actually do as a society in response to a changing climate is, as you say, really complicated discussion. That discussion is what we should be having and not a discussion about what the science says or doesn't say. We're not headed for a catastrophe. That's clear from the reports. However, we need to be paying attention to this developing technologies and moving actually at a pace that's quite a bit slower than what the current political discussion is all about. You know, yeah, and that's, Lord House, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that's what concerns me is sort of, um, it's, it seems to me, and the sense I get from your critique of the, the accelerated public policy in response to what is, uh, what, is, what do they call it? Low probability, low to medium or low to medium confidence in a lot of the big statements that get the headlines in USA Today and, you know, uh, CNN, uh, uh, the, the major networks. Um, and among some of those who want us to change our society like a light switch to suddenly, you know, what did Joe Biden? He wants everything electric by 20. What is it? 2050. Right. Everything. Everything's yeah. carbon yeah. zero. Well, uh, you know, th th it, it, it seems to me as though you're saying, wait a minute, hold on. This is a we're, we're taking a ready fire aim approach. Is that an overstatement as to your thesis? No, no, absolutely. You know, the current administration plans to zero out emissions from electricity uh, by 2035 to ban the sale of gasoline or diesel powered vehicles from 2035 onward and to restrict uh, oil and gas production in this country, uh, I think is going to severely disrupt society in terms of employment, the economy, our energy security. And if it comes to pass at the pace that they're talking about, there's going to be a backlash. People are going to yeah. get really mad and ask, tell me again why we're doing this. And I'm not sure I've heard a really good answer. I just, it's just amazing to me. The other day I read that there's, they're, they're now going to go after methane. And I understand methane can be a byproduct of leaky, uh, what, uh, gas and oil refinery production yeah. and their other. I, I, but it I also, also comes. Just, uh, sorry. Go ahead. And also just uh, pipes going into people's houses. At least in yeah. big cities, we get natural gas by, by pipelines that go into houses. Yeah. But then I heard that they're actually now 
they've got a little target on the back of of domesticated animals in agriculture. I mean, I don't know. This gets to be crazy, right? I mean, if this if this lunacy continues, our society could devolve into a Mad Max where there's there's no consumer goods to be had because you can't afford them, or the producers of them because of the regulatory environment can't can't afford to make them. And I just don't know where this is going to lead if all of these policies actually come to fruition. And I think that yeah. you're the you're the Paul Revere uh, saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. The, uh, yeah, the energy right. crazies yeah, are coming. I, I think, uh, you know, there are enough people who will be affected by this in negative ways that it's not going to get very far. Uh, I think it will hit a wall and people will say, stop. You know, the U.S. is only 13 percent of global emissions. And if it were to go to zero tomorrow, uh, it would be negated by about five years of growth in the rest of the world. So even if we went to zero, it would have very little direct impact on human influences. And I think that was one of the big objections, and we only have a minute left, but that was one of the big objections to the Paris uh, Accord was that, wait a minute, we're going to fall on the sword when you have China building coal-fired power plants like, uh, you know, uh, Tums is making antacids, right? So how, what yeah. kind of a dent yeah. are we going to make into that? Yeah, the answer is not much. And that's why, you know, some people think the Paris Accord is the first step toward uh, really reducing emissions. Uh, I think it's practically impossible that the globe is going to reduce emissions fast enough or significantly enough to make a real difference in human influences. Not necessarily in the climate, because as we discussed, the climate keeps changing anyway. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it is a great read, and I, I just, I, I've curled up with it, and I haven't made all the way through, but it is a fantastic read because you, you, you don't deny what a lot of them are saying. You're just denying the, all of the, uh, all of the uh, hyperbolic rhetoric and, unfortunately, policy that that is derived from it. So it's a beautiful read, and I thank you for writing it, and I hope that you continue to, uh, to, to, to battle these, uh, fight these battles, and come out unscathed. I hope you're not too bruised and bloodied with all of the battles. No, no, I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fine. It's it's kind of fun, actually. <laughs> yeah. so, I, I read your rebuttal on Medium. I read your rebuttal, and the rebuttals yeah, are out there, folks, yeah. and I'll probably link to that. Thank you, Dr. Stephen Coonan. Appreciate you okay, being with us. Randy, great chatting with you. Bye-bye. Take care. There he is, folks. We'll come back at the top of the next hour and uh, have more talk. Let's talk a little bit more about immigration, and how about some COVID talk, too? Back with more right after... 